Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, God in you, God with you, God upon you. Go to Acts chapter 1, if you will. Go to Acts chapter 1. It's a term that we, that I grew up with. Some of y'all might be familiar with it. It's called a move of the Spirit. A move of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving. That means He's active. That means he, He's not stagnant. He's not just in one place. He's not doing the same thing. There's moves of the Spirit of God. Without getting all historical on you, there are different moves and over time there have been different moves and different dispensations of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Different ways that he has shown himself in the earth and to mankind and specifically to the church. And it's time for the church to desire a move of the Spirit. Again, there are times where men and women were on their hands and knees and they were in prayer closets and they were crying out to God for a move of the Spirit. They were in times where they recognized doing it on our own just isn't good enough anymore. Doing it on man-made principle and man-made uh, solutions and, and man-made ideas just isn't cutting it anymore. Anyone, sound, does that sound familiar to today? Anybody tired of man-made solutions? Anybody tired of man ideas? Yeah? Well, we need the Holy Spirit. And it's time for the Holy Spirit not just to be merely tolerated again, but that we require and we demand and we depend on the Holy Spirit. And if you have, have had the great privilege, and I don't take that word lightly, a great privilege of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit disrupt and affect your life. Um, it's one of the most incredible experiences to the believer. It was so important and so fundamental that Jesus, here we're about to read, instructs his disciples to go and wait. Don't do anything. <laughs> don't preach. Don't witness. Don't share. Don't don't, don't do nothing. Go and wait. And he says, tarry for the Holy Spirit. Here in Acts chapter 1, I want to begin with verse 4. And it says, and while he, who's he? Jesus. While Jesus was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. I mean, that statement right there is, we're already loaded. Jesus is still with them. Jesus is with them in person. This is after uh, his, his death, burial, resurrection. He's now uh, been seen. Uh, he's shown himself to about 500 people, and now he's talking to a, a core group of his disciples as 
He's getting ready to depart the earth and ascend to heaven back with his father, seated at the right hand of the father. And he instructs them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the father's promise. The Holy Spirit is literally a promise from the father, from the father God. Now, I don't know about you. If God has promised me something, he's going to do it. God isn't just the promise maker. He's a promise keeper, right? And if he promises to send me the Holy Spirit or that there is another opportunity beyond salvation now, beyond salvation, salvation's a great experience, greatest miracle there is coming out of darkness into light. But there's more. Look at your neighbor. Say, there's more. There's more for the believer. And he's telling these disciples that have received that redemptive work of the cross in their lives, he's telling them, now go wait, because there's more. There's something else I want to do in your life. In fact, there's something I have to do in your life so I can do something through your life. You know, one thing I've noticed about people that are newly born again, they have this awesome, amazing desire and invigoration to go and, and share and witness and tell others the gospel. Of, it's just incredible. I love seeing a newborn believer and the passion they have. And it, it, it sparks me. It says, man, if they can be that passionate on day one, I ought to be even more than passionate than that. But to these disciples, he doesn't say, all right, go and just tell everybody about me. He says, there's something I need you to get. There's something, I, there's something more I need to get to you. Because the salvation experience gets you out of darkness into light. But now there's another experience. There's another opportunity. There's another thing I want to do in your life. There's a promise from my Father. He's promised it, meaning he will not fail in providing this to you. It's a Father's promise, he says. Which he said, you have heard me speak about. So this isn't the first occurrence, guys. You've heard me talk about this. You've heard me talk about the Holy Spirit. You, you remember when I introduced you in John chapter 14 to the helper, the, the helper that I was going to send when I go? He, he, you remember when I told you that it was actually to your advantage that I leave, right? It's better for you that I go. And his disciples are thinking, are you crazy? No, it's better that you stay. And he says, no, 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 it's better that I go because if I don't go, then my father can't send the promised helper, the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage that I leave. And now he's at that moment. He's saying, I've told you about that. I've told you that John came to baptize with water, but there would be a fire. There would be a baptism with fire in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I'm reminding you. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. He's telling them there's another opportunity, there's another moment, there's more. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? So they immediately jumped to this event that they knew was part of Jesus' mission to bring the kingdom of heaven 
to the earth, right? We've heard Jesus all throughout his ministry highlighting this kingdom, highlighting this authority and this rule and this reign that was coming. And so now they're thinking, is this the culmination? Is this where you're going to overthrow our natural government and you're going to overthrow these people that are keeping us under this thumb and and, and under submission to them? And and now you're going to expand your kingdom to the earth? And is this that time? And his, his, his disciples are inquiring of, is this the kingdom you've been talking about. In verse 7, he said this. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. I know many of us are asking questions like this. Is this it? We're seeing a lot of markers and indicators that we know will point us to the end. We're seeing a lot of things in our world that's thinking, how much worse can it get, Jesus? Are you, are you tuned in? Are you watching this? Are you seeing what's going on down here? What are you waiting for? You, Jesus, you ought to be on the edge of your seat ready to bring that kingdom to, to pass now. Many of us are in the same position as his disciples were. Is this the time? Is this it? And this is what he says. It's not for you to know the times or the periods. Verse 8, but here it is. But you will receive Power. Everyone say power. Everyone say power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He says, I'm not going to respond to your question of when. I'm going to respond to... I'm going to tell you who. He says, it doesn't matter. It's not for you to know when. You know, I'd like to think Jesus is going to return in my lifetime while I'm here on this earth. I'd like to think that. But I don't know that. I know that we're closer to the end than we've ever been, right? I know that it's only drawing near. And sure, I see the turmoil. I see all the garbage. I see all the junk taking place. I see all the messed up things. And I'm thinking, you know, how much worse can it get? But, but, I, but I know this, that Jesus doesn't want me on this earth wondering when, 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 when. He wants me to discover who. Who. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. What's he saying? Whatever happens around you, my Holy Spirit will empower you for whatever takes place, for whatever's coming, for whenever Jesus comes. Isn't that like a lot of Christians? We we answer the salvation question, and the next thing that we want to do is when you die, you go to heaven. That's what the disciples did. We got the salvation, And now we want to move right on down to the end and start figuring out, okay, when's the end of this thing coming? And Jesus is saying, I want to get you empowered for in the meantime. I want to take care of the stuff while you're still. Apparently, Jesus valued the earth enough and valued having his disciples in the earth enough that he said, I'm going to empower you and I'm going to acquaint you with the Holy Spirit of God. And he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with fire. And he's going to empower you and equip you to do what? He said to be witnesses. Did you know you need the Holy Spirit to be witnesses? To be witnesses. He says you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, in 
Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That end of the earth isn't just geographical as in we're going to reach all nations and all tribes and, and, and all segments of life. He also means to the end of time, to the end of the age, to the end, until this thing runs out, until I come back and physically restore my kingdom again, my Holy Spirit is going to empower you and equip you, and you need the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. I've had people ask me, do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? You're asking the wrong question. I saw someone post the other day and said, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> you, you, need, you need the Holy Spirit to walk back out those doors to deal with your kids, right? To, to, to deal with the issues and the challenges of life. You need the Holy Spirit for this life. Let me tell you something. You don't need the Holy Spirit in heaven. You'll be with God the Father. You need the Holy Spirit here and now on this earth. And I've said this before. You know, we, we talk a lot in our churches about God the Father. We talk a lot in our churches about Jesus the Son, don't we? And all the the mighty works that he did, the, the mighty life that he lived, the, the conquering, ruling, reigning life that he lived, the, the wonderful gift and sacrifice that he made so we could come into the kingdom. But where is God? He's in heaven. Where is Jesus? He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. The third person of the Trinity, the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, where is he at? He's down here. And he's the one we know the least about. And the Holy Spirit's not the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity. He's not the one that's on the back burner and we just forget to mention him or bring him out every now and then. He is God. He is just as much God as God the Father and just as much God as God the Son, Jesus. He is God and he's chosen to live in and dwell in you and I. We need to be acquainted with the Holy Spirit. We need to be acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And it's time to stop being afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's time, it's time that fear is not what fills your heart when you hear someone mention or begin to speak about the Holy Spirit. And now when we, when we use terms like a move of the Spirit or flowing with the Spirit or yielding to the Spirit, that should not, yield, that should not put fear in your heart of what is about to happen. There should be a desire there. There should be something on the inside that, that hooks up with you that says, yes, that's what I need. I need a move of the Spirit. I need a flow of the Spirit. I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's, it, it, it's no wonder the whole, that, the, that the enemy has created such a fear concept around the Holy Spirit when he's the very thing and very person we need to operate in this earth today. And he knows that a believer devoid of the Holy Spirit does not contain the power to overthrow his kingdom and overthrow his principalities. He knows this. So he wants you afraid of the very person of the Trinity, the Godhead, that Jesus said, it's to your benefit I leave so I can send the promise of the Father. Go to Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. They weren't just together in one place geographically, in a building or in a room. They were of one mind. They had one intent to wait for the promise of the Father. And these people don't know what they're looking for. Okay? You and I have this experience to go off of, but they have no idea what this even looks like. They don't know if this person's walking through the doors, right? They, 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 they don't know what to expect. They, don't, they, they, they have no idea. It's very, you know, very vague what Jesus left them. Go and wait for the promise of the Father, the baptism with fire. And they're like, wow, fire, that sounds dangerous. It is. To the kingdom of darkness, you want to pose a threat to the enemy? Get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Not gradually. (laughs) Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were staying. And they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in different tongues, here it is, as the Spirit enabled them. So now they're doing this beyond their own natural ability, and and it's by the Spirit that they are speaking in another language or in a heavenly language. We'll come back around to that. But I want to, to focus on what took place here. Suddenly, a sound that sounded like a violent rushing wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house. They saw tongues like as of fire, flames of fire, that rested on each one of them, and then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Three distinct signs, if you will, visible, physical, tangible, external signs. Evidence that the Holy Spirit had arrived, that the Holy Spirit was there, and it filled each one of them, and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Now look what it says in verse 5. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused. Everyone say confused. The sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused, not because of the rushing mighty wind and not because of the tongues as of fire on their heads. They were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language. It goes on to list the different nations that were there. Verse 12, they were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But verse 13 says, some sneered and said, they're drunk 
on new wine. Now let's just look at what happened here in this moment. We have a group of individuals, a group of believers that are just simply following Jesus at his word. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what this coming or baptizing of the Holy Spirit is even supposed to to be like. And you have these three distinct things. There's a, a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. There's no rushing wind. Okay? It's a sound as of a rushing wind. There are tongues as flames of fire on their heads. There's no fire. It's as of fire. And then they begin to speak in unknown languages to their natural comprehension. But as they are enabled by the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in another language. This is all that's happening in this upper room here. Down below on the street, you've got all these individuals that had come to town from other nations for this celebration. Day of Pentecost had fully come. All these other individuals, these foreigners are all there in town. And now they are perplexed, confused, um, and It even says that some sneered and said that they were drunk on new wine. And this is the first big move of the Holy Spirit in the church as we know it today. Now, I can tell you right now that a majority of churches today are afraid of moments just like this. We would call this, if we were, if this was modern day, especially in America, where we like all our stuff prim and proper, ducks in a row, this wouldn't be tolerated. This would be shut down. What I want us to understand is when a move of the Spirit shows up, it rarely conforms to your idea or to your natural expectation of what that should look like. And if you are going to truly desire and truly move with the Holy Spirit and flow with the Holy Spirit, you are going to have to let go of some natural components. You're going to have to let go of some natural expectations. And this isn't the first time things get out of hand. This isn't the only time things get out of hand. And even in Jesus' ministry, I tell you right now, if Jesus came and did what he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John today, he'd be kicked out of most churches, spitting in people's eyes, looking at the religious folk, the the leaders, and calling them brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs and, and, and just calling them out in front of everybody. Forgiving people and, 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 you know, walking on wall. I mean, the stuff that Jesus did, but we're just talking about the natural external component of it. Sure, we know that people were touched and people were delivered and people were set free. But let's just look at the natural component of it. If you look at that, that that's, there's some messed up stuff that took place there. And what I'm trying to say is if we have a reserved idea of what God wants to do, especially in these last days, that we might miss what God wants to do. If we can't allow the Holy Spirit, guys, look at this in the next verse, verse 14. 
Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them. Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me, here it is, explain this to you and pay attention to my words. The first church service had to be explained. It was so out of hand and so off kilter for what they experienced and for what they expected and what they thought was supposed to happen that they had to stop and explain. Now remember, Peter, along with these 11 and these 120 in this upper room, they don't even know what to expect. So now Peter immediately is having to explain his experience that he didn't even know was going to happen. And he immediately stops and says, let me explain to you what's going on. Let me clue you in. Let me, let me help you understand. I hear I, some of you are confused. That's okay. We're afraid to be confused in church today. Perplexed. Astounded. Amazed. But then some were even mocking and sneering. I mean, have we ever had... When's the last time you had an opportunity where it was misunderstood and someone could mock and maybe sneer at what you did and what happened? Okay? I'm just showing you in the Word what a move of the Spirit looks like. That maybe there are some things that look a little different than our natural course of church and our natural course of action. For these people are not drunk, he says, as you suppose. Since it's only nine in the morning. So he's not denying that they look drunk. Right? He's not denying that, yeah, it's getting a little crazy up here. And it might look like a certain thing, but I'm letting you know it's too early for that stuff. (laughs) We're not drunk on wine as you suppose. No, but we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. So now he's referencing the word of God. Now he's taking them to the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God. That I will pour out my spirit, here it is, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's the ultimate goal? That people will see the glory of God in action, call on the name of the Lord, and be set free, saved, and redeemed right there on the spot. This isn't about glorifying man. This isn't about entertainment. This isn't about putting on a show. This isn't about looking crazy for the sake of looking crazy. It's about pointing people to Jesus. 
He says the ultimate goal is that people would call on the name of the Lord and then they would be saved. And if you jump down to verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. Everybody. Every single person that has called on the name of the Lord Jesus and committed their life to Christ and a follower of Jesus ought to desire, earnestly desire the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon their life. It's the value that Jesus placed. It's now the value that Peter is placing on all these individuals that are sneering and jeering and mocking and are perplexed and astounded and confused even. He says, "This what, what, what's happening up here is for you too. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need a move of the Spirit. If you go over to Acts chapter 4. Okay, Pastor Mark, that was, that was the initial event. So, okay, you know, I got you. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, things were a little out of hand. And there were some signs and there were some wonders. And there were some things that, you know, go against, you know, just natural comprehension and, and, and natural things. I, I get it. But, but, but after that, you know, we ought to live on the straight and narrow, right? After that, everything's just textbook and, and, and just, just normal church, right? Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. After they were released, they went to their own people. Everyone say their own people. Their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God. The uh, uh, Peter and and John, they had healed a man in chapter Acts chapter three. Uh, rather than everybody being excited about that, there are people that are um, you know upset and are beginning to see things take place that they thought they had gotten rid of when they crucified Jesus and buried him, and now they're saying, "Man, this stuff is starting all over again." And so they threaten them within their lives. They don't kill them there on the spot, but they warned them, do not ever preach the name of Jesus. Well, you know what? You do what you got to do, but for us, we got to do what we got to do. They go to their own company. They tell them about the threats, tell them about what took place. It says that they raised their voice when they heard this. Raise their voices together to God. They pray. They cry out to God. If you go to verse 29, verse 29, and now, Lord, consider their threats and grant to your servants, grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. So they weren't praying for less threats, less challenge, less issue. They were praying for more boldness. That it took a level of boldness to do what we did and to stand before these individuals. We feel a little depleted. We feel a little extinguished. So refresh us. Give us that boldness once again. Pray, we're, we're praying that you fill us with your boldness so that we can go right back out there and keep doing what we were doing. 
your kingdom come, your will be done. We'll, co- we'll continue preaching your message. We'll continue sharing your word. While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, there it is, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. We, 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 we look right past these statements as if it, that we don't even know what's being said. The place where they were assembled was shaken. I said the place where they were assembled was shaken. What am I saying? There's another extra. What would happen if this place where we were assembled was shaken? I mean, am I, am I, is that only in my Bible? Does it say that in yours? Does it say that on the screen? Where they were assembled was shaken. Why have we adopted a form of church or a form of Christianity today where God can't do anything out of the norm? Where God can't do anything that doesn't suit or meet our expectation of a natural idea of what this looks like? The place where they were assembled was shaken, it says. Now watch this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Once again, the Holy Spirit comes and something crazy happens. The first time the Holy Spirit came and you got this violent sound of a rushing mighty wind. You've got what looks like tongues of fire on people's heads. You got people speaking in other tongues and they were all baptized filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So much so. And these people were acting so crazy that people down on the ground were wondering what, how who was drinking this early in the morning. What are these guys on? And Peter has to explain what's going on. Now we've got the second occurrence in two chapters. That shows us that this isn't just a one-time deal. This isn't just a one-time, you know, that initial moment. And then after that, everything's going to be on the straight and narrow. And nothing's going to be disrupted. And nothing's going to get crazy. And nothing's going to get awkward. (laughs) Here it is again. And they were just asking for boldness. (laughs) They weren't even asking for a repeat event of of Acts chapter 2. Do what you did back there. They were just saying, we need some boldness. And because they got in their own company, got in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them. And it says the entire place shook. The entire place where they assembled was shaken. They were all filled. How were they filled if they were just filled? Am I missing something? Weren't they just filled in Acts chapter 2? Apparently, we need a continual filling perpetual filling of the Holy Spirit. Apparently, this wasn't meant to be a one-time deal. Apparently, this wasn't meant to just be at the initial moment of receiving the baptism. Apparently, this is something that can be poured out as you need it, as you desire it, as you pray for it. Now, am I saying that the place is going to literally shake? No. Am I saying you're going to see tongues of fire? No. Am I saying that you're going to hear sounds as of a rushing mighty wind? No. There's very few times that things are repeated like this through the word. But here's the precedence that we do have. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it might not meet your natural expectation of what you think that's supposed to look like. And if we have a reserved idea 
And if we say, Holy Spirit, come, but don't do this and don't do that and don't get too crazy and don't get awkward and don't get weird. I've, I've been in services. I mean, you name it, I've seen it. I've seen people laugh uncontrollably. The joy of the Lord. Well, is that scriptural? Absolutely. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, how is joy displayed? You smile. You laugh. You're happy. I've seen people laugh uncontrollably. I've seen people cry uncontrollably. Didn't matter if you wanted to turn it off. Didn't matter if you, you, it was just an uncontrollable, just burden and, and, and weightiness. It's not emotions. It's the Holy Spirit. I've seen people dance in the Spirit. Is that biblical? Absolutely. David danced so hard that his clothes fell off. And his wife ridiculed him. But he danced before the Lord. I'll be even more undignified than this, he said. I've seen people shout in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You're shouting and proclaiming like victory. Like an army. I recall a story in the Bible where people shouted and walls fell down. Come on, are we going to live like the Bible's true? Are we going to live like this isn't just some story, some fairy tale book of stories, but this is the real thing, and this stuff is, it, 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 that God is still moving and operating? Are we going to live like this? I've seen people sing in the Spirit. Is that scriptural? Yes, Ephesians chapter 5, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. I've seen people run. I've seen people fall. Here's what I want you to understand. Because I understand that might be completely unheard of for some people in this room. Was it all the Spirit of God? Probably not. Just be honest. Was it all the Holy Spirit moving and all this chaos breaks out? Maybe for a few it was real. Maybe for some it wasn't. But here's what I know. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit moves and is in operation, it will be evident and it will be known. And there will be something we will see, something we will feel, something we will do. Now, we don't do this for the feeling. We don't do this for the doing. We don't do this for the natural response. But if you limit what God can do because there's a box of natural uh, modes of operation you put him in, you'll be greatly limited in what the Holy Spirit can do for your life. Are you with me? Holy Spirit move, but don't mess this up and don't mess that up and, and don't go here and don't go there and, 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 and don't get, you know, in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 5, the Holy Spirit moves and 
two people who lied to the Holy Spirit about how much they were giving to the church died right in front of them. Became a funeral right on there on the spot. This is the Bible. We either believe it or we don't. We either live like this stuff is true or we don't. So I don't, I don't have premonitions. I don't dance to get the Holy Spirit to do something. I don't sing to get the Holy Spirit to do something. I, I, I don't do things in the flesh or in the natural to try to motivate Him to move. I just receive the Holy Spirit and let Him move. When we sing songs like, come rest on us. When we sing like what we just sang, come and pour out. What does that look like to you? What, what is the expectation that you have that God wants to move? God wants to speak. His Holy Spirit wants to operate in our midst, in corporate settings. What box have you had? What box is he in? What limitations have we put up? No, the Holy Spirit wants to move. The Holy Spirit wants to speak. The Holy Spirit wants to lead. The Holy Spirit wants to guide. And it's just like with God and with Jesus, I, we don't get to determine what kind of Holy Spirit we get. We don't get to determine what version of the Holy Spirit we want to operate. Well, I want the leading and guiding Holy Spirit, but I don't want the moving and shaking Holy Spirit. And then there's people that they want the moving and shaking Holy Spirit, but they don't want the leading and guiding Holy Spirit. They want the gifts of the Spirit, but they don't want the fruits of the Spirit. Y'all with me? It's a full package. He's a package deal. You get the Holy Spirit as He comes. I'm not saying this to scare anybody. I'm not saying this to tell you that we're, we're, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to shake stuff and, 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 and do stuff like what we just read. He may not do any. But I'm not afraid of watching the Holy Spirit move. And this is one thing that I've determined in my life, and I think it'd be smart for you to do it too. Don't ever base your, your, your expectation of what God can do on someone else's experience. Live for God yourself. Live for God yourself. You make the conclusion, I'm going to believe him at his word. And not because of what happened to so-and-so or what I saw happen in this church or what that pastor said or what they were doing over there. Don't worry about all that. Just close your eyes. Get your eyes on Jesus and don't worry about what, what sister so-and-so is doing next to you. We, we are so easily distracted in this day and age of what's happening around us. And God wants to meet with you. God wants to infill you. If you got to sit on the front row to get yourself void of distractions and sit up, sit right here. You ain't nothing but here but us and the worship team. Just join us up here. So you don't have to see people around you. You don't have to be, uh, you know, prohibited by what's going on. Get free. Go in the corner somewhere. Go, go back in these corners. Get, get off by yourself. Don't let what happens I've heard people that say, you know, I don't do that anymore, or I don't believe that anymore, or I don't go there anymore because of so-and-so. I bet you you guys have some crazy stuff happen at your jobs, and you still go back the next morning. How <laughs> bet you there's some crazy folk at your work that you're, if it was, if your work was a church, you would have left it a long time ago that that crazy. 
Yeah. No, I'm just going to live for God from my experience. And I know what's real. I know what I've experienced. I know what I have. I, I know the moments where I have felt and received and, and been filled by the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the refilling of the There is no denying you're not going to convince me. I'm, I'm, I'm too far gone. If you want to convince me the Holy Spirit's not moving today, this, this ship has sailed. I'm gone. I've, already, I've experienced too much for you to tell me it ain't real. It's over and done with. That was for the book of Acts. It ended on Acts chapter 28. We're, we're in a different... You've missed the boat with me, man. I've seen too much, been through too much, experienced too much, felt too much. And I don't do it for the feelings, and I don't do it for the moments, and I don't do it. But when he does move, I just let him move. I let him move. What am I saying? I'm saying that our natural experiences should not be limiting factors for what the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you would stand up with me, I just took all of our time, apparently. Wasn't planning on doing that at all. I'm just going to be transparent with you. The, the, the guest minister we're bringing in, they're dynamic people this weekend, and you, you need to be here every service, Sunday morning, 1030, Sunday night, 6, and Monday night, 7. Pastor Paul and Karen Brady, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they're going to be with us. You know, I, 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 I don't do this. I rarely do this. In fact, this is probably maybe the second time I've ever brought someone in secondhand. I value this pulpit. I value who we put on this stage. Too much to just let anybody that wants to hold a microphone and, and preach from the Bible stand up here. I value you too much. I guard that and I protect that. Pastors Paul and Karen Brady, I've, I've met them a couple times. I know about their ministry. I know their background. I know where they came from, those kind of things. But I've never been in his service. I've never, never really seen him minister personally. The people that I know that know him, I highly esteem and highly value. But with that being said, I, I don't have a full, even idea of what to expect this week. And I know they're coming ready to bless this church, ready to impart to this church, ready to leave something tangible with this church. I believe after this weekend, our church will never be the same. I believe it'll be that dynamic, that real. And if you know anybody that, that, that needs to be here this weekend, you need to start inviting them now. Tell them to get it on the calendar. But I want us as a church to be responsive and receptive. When you bring in a, a, a guest minister, when I bring in a guest minister, I typically try to bring in gifts that are not necessarily my gifts. If you know that there are five gifts that Jesus has given to the church, there's the pastor, the teacher, the apostle, the prophet, and the evangelist. And I typically try to bring in individuals that have other giftings other than myself because I can't do it by myself. There's a five-fold ministry gift for a reason. And we're not meant to compete with one another. 
and challenge one another. We're meant to serve and connect with one another. So I'll bring in prophets and I'll bring in evangelists and I'll bring in uh, uh, other pastors and other teachers uh, uh, and these other giftings of other uh, apostolic gifts to come in to speak into you that, that I may not necessarily walk in in a totality. I walk in a pastoral gift and a teaching gift. That's typically how I operate. That's my gift. That's my lane. I don't try to get out of my lane. I don't try to be something that I, I'm not a prophet. I'll tell you. I'm not an evangelist. I'll tell you. I'm not apostolic uh, in, in the sense of the apostolic ministry. But they're all still evident and operating in the church today, and the body needs them. It says that the fivefold gifts are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Apparently, you need all five gifts. So what happens is, is you're going to receive a gift this weekend that'll be a little bit out of our norm. They're not going to be me. Don't let that turn you off. Be open, be receptive, and be responsive for how the Holy Spirit flows this weekend. And then after this weekend, be ready to receive the pastor gift and the teaching gift because I'm not going to try to replicate and duplicate what happens this weekend to keep your feel. Man, that was awesome service. We need to do that again. Let's sing that song again so we can create that emotion and create that. We don't do that. That's not how we operate. We operate by what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And apparently he saw fit that my gifts were enough for this church, that he placed me over this church to shepherd you and to care for you and to watch over you as an overseer of your soul. And that's enough for what you need. So next Sunday, I'm not going to try to be what we received this week. We're going to go back to what we're called to do. But this Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday night, let's be receptive. Let's be responsive. Let's let the Holy Spirit move with no limitations. Here's what I know about the Holy Spirit, and this is why Jesus was setting them up in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit will not move by force. He moves as you yield yourself to Him. Meaning, if you want to sit there like a lump on a log and not enter in and not receive because it doesn't fit your forte or this isn't the type of service I'm used to, then you can sit right there and the Holy Spirit's not going to jump on you, force you to dance and sing and shout and and, and fall or whatever else happens. He's not going to do that to you. But if you'll be receptive and you'll yield, I promise you He will not leave you the same. I promise you He will not disappoint. I promise you, you will be better than we found you. Can we sing that bridge again? Come rest on us. Holy Spirit. Let this just be your your cry. Your prayer. Your call. Come on, we want you, Holy Spirit. However it looks. Whatever it requires of us.
however, whatever, whenever, we take the limitations off. Father, we set ourselves apart right now, right now, in this moment. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. We will yield. We will yield. We'll receive and we'll respond and we'll apply ourselves to what you want to do. We don't have a box. We don't have limitations. Flow freely. Speak freely. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' mighty name. I'll say this real quick. You might say, well, Pastor Mark, isn't there an order? Absolutely. The enemy is the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we're, we're afraid. A lot of our reservations are, the, are, are what we put up so it doesn't get crazy, so it doesn't get out of hand. Well, look, that's why you have a pastor. That's why you have a pastor. That's why you have an overseer over your life and an overseer over this congregation. And in our corporate settings... If it's not in line, we'll deal with it. We'll correct it. And that's okay. Now, I've been in services where someone stood up to give a prophetic word, and that by the direction of the pastor, that wasn't where we needed to go. And he just called me, let him know, no, not right now, not right now. It's not the moment. It's not embarrassing. It's not, oh, you're a big failure, and I'm never stepping out in the spirit again because I got shot down. That's not. Follow leadership. Follow guidance. There's safety here. This is a safe place. I said, this is a safe place. And again, if we see something that isn't correct, and is that really all it takes to deter you from following God and following Jesus and following the plan for your life? Spirit, he's a person and you can quench the Spirit. We can can stifle a move, but a lot of times you you quench the Spirit by not doing something more so than than stepping out and doing something. A lot of times where the Holy Spirit's the most limited is in, in what we won't do, not in what we do or even do correctly. Paul admonished the, the, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14 was really written for the instruction of how the gifts should operate, the gifts of the Spirit and manifestations and moves of the Spirit. But he didn't tell them, don't ever do that again. He was just helping direct them and guide them, say, hey, when this happens, let make sure there's an interpreter. Make sure you're not all trying to talk all over each other. But he wasn't, he wasn't rebuking them for desiring spiritual gifts. In fact, he encouraged them. We ought to desire spiritual gifts. We ought to desire moves of the Spirit. We ought to desire a manifestation of the Spirit. And then on the flip side of that, 
we don't come in here looking for a specific gift and we don't come in here looking for a certain type of move of God and then if that doesn't take place then we walk out and say well I guess just a good day of teaching I guess the Holy Spirit wasn't moving no the Holy Spirit moves in the teaching of the word too the spirit and the word are one and the same they're not different they're not separate we've done that oh we're a word church oh we're a spirit church No, it's one and the same. He's moving in the teaching of the word just as he is, as it, just as much as he is in the manifestations and demonstrations of the spirit. The world's done with talkers that aren't doers. The world's done with that. I think a lot of people in the church are done with that. God, do something. Show us something. Reveal to us something. We don't want this just to be in word. We want this to be in deed and in action and in lifestyle and a living force. And, and, and if it looks different than our idea of church, our experience of church, if it's you moving, that's what I want us to have. As a church, as a church body, this weekend, you say, well, which gift is the best gift, the one most needed at the time? Right? depends on what type of work we're doing. You might need a shovel or you might need a full-on excavator and backhoe. We might need to bring in heavy-duty equipment or we might just need a couple. Depends on what you need at the moment, right? You're trying to take down one of these pine trees, you're going to need some heavy-duty equipment. Little shears ain't going to gut it. But if you want to take care of uh, of fine, uh, you know, plants and, and those kind of things, you're going to need some smaller objects that you bring in some heavy equipment, you're going to destroy the thing. What gift do we need? The one most needed at the time. Do we need a gift of tongue and interpretation? Do we need a gift of prophecy? Do we need a gift of miracles? Do we need a gift of faith, a gift of discernment? Uh, 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 you know, word of knowledge, word of wisdom? And I'm probably going to take some time here on our midweeks uh, coming up to break all this stuff down. This is probably new for a lot of you, and that's okay. You're my favorite students. So once they come in here thinking you know everything and you've already got me blocked out because I didn't align with what you thought I was going to say that are the, the troublesome ones. I like the new ones, the, the rookies. Come in here wanting to be taught. Come in here wanting to learn. Father, we just want to honor your spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.